0: The following is a bonus episode of Locked On Presents Through the Uprights, a special podcast series about what it takes to make it as an elite college and NFL kicker, reported by Cole Weinstein and featuring interviews with Lou Groza Award winners and decade-plus NFL veterans. Locked On Presents Through the Uprights is available now wherever you listen to podcasts. Long before Roberto Aguayo became one of the most praised and then infamous kickers of the 21st century, he was his father's son.
1: Growing up, the first thing that was in my crib was was a soccer ball. My dad was a soccer player to, to the bone.
0: Roberto Sr.'s passion ended up having a major impact on his two sons, Roberto Jr. and Ricky.
1: If he would have stayed in Mexico, he would have ended up playing professionally there. But he came to the States and you know he wanted a better life and he knew there was prosperity in America. And so his dreams of, of playing football or playing soccer were not there anymore. But he played, you know, he played amateur ball here in leagues here. He was very passionate for it. But when we were born, you know, he wanted us to continue that legacy, you know, to be athletes, to be soccer players.
0: So with their father's guidance, Roberto Jr. and Ricky developed a talent for the game at a young age.
1: Soccer was his love, so that's what he showed us first. So I was kicking a soccer ball since the day I can remember, you know, kicking it around. Shoot, when I was seven years old, a lot of my friends were playing peewee football and we had a a peewee team here uh, when we were growing up. My parents were like, you know what, let's put you guys in. I was like, yeah, you know, I wanna play football. It seems fun and all my friends are doing it and I like football. At that
0: age, football was a fun new way to spend time with friends a sport to bond with his brother over.
1: To look back at it, there was never like, oh, you know, I want to grow up to be a kicker. It was just soccer and soccer, you know, we would watch the movies, like the goal movie, and like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo was my favorite athlete at the time. But really, it just started off just playing, just playing football. and He started
0: out at offensive guard.
1: Coach thought I would be good at that position. So I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm a guard. And First year was Mighty Mites, so you didn't kick extra points in Mighty Mites. It wasn't until you got to Junior Pee Wee. All
0: of a sudden, he'd gotten to the age where teams needed a kicker.
1: Who's going to kick the extra points? And in Pee Wee football, extra points counted for two points. And if you went for it, it counted for one point. So it encouraged the team to have a a kicker to get those extra two points. So they put us in a big line and I was just like, well, you know, I play soccer, I can kick a soccer ball pretty far. It seemed the other eight year olds lacked his confidence. I remember watching and I'm like, is it really that hard? Like no one could do it, no one could do it. And then I got up there and I was like the first one that made it and they were like, whoa, 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 do it again, do it again. And I hit it again and coach was like, all right, we have our kicker. And I was like, well, cool, now I play tight Man, I play my Linebacker, and I'm also the kicker.
0: It would take years for Aguayo to truly understand or even appreciate what had just happened. At that age, he really didn't think much about his new position. He was just an athlete, football in the fall and soccer in the spring.
1: That's where it all started. At eight years old, I would kick the extra points and there was a lot of games that we would win. 7 to 8 or 6 to 8 because of my extra point. When I mean, the other team wouldn't have a kicker or didn't have a good kicker, it made a big difference and we we were always on a team that, you know, we'd go to the playoffs and we had a good little squad growing up and all the guys were the same age so we kept on moving, you know, higher and higher every year. We were successful
0: and Roberto was a successful kicker helping to propel his youth teams. To victory.
1: It was nonchalant. It was like, okay, you know, if I make it, I make it. If I don't, you know what I mean? Like no one else can do it, so.
0: It was impressive because Aguayo was winning games for his team often. What made him so valuable in youth football was that no one else on the team or in the league could kick like him. He was being praised for something that came easy to him and his brother, Ricky kicking a ball was second nature.
1: It's like Tiger Woods holding a golf club and swinging a golf club at that age. The body's used to it. It's motion emotion that's e- that comes easy. And I feel like that's why I was so good at kicking a football at a young age because I just looked at it as a soccer ball.
0: It really was that simple. Roberto Sr.'s passion and ability for the game transferred onto both of his sons. In turn, Roberto Jr. was a great soccer player with elite leg ability by a young age. The perfect storm to create raw place kicking talent. That raw ability would turn him into a generational talent. Roberto Aguayo became one of the greatest kickers in the history of college football and then one of the best kicking prospects of all time. The Buccaneers traded up to draft him and then cut him after one season. Aguayo might be the biggest what if in the history of kickers and he's about to walk you through what happened, step by step. In a game as violent as football, where top athletes fight tooth and nail for mere inches, in an attempt to make the other physically submit, how is it possible that winners and losers, championships and dynasties can be determined by a kicker? It doesn't add up, and yet it's an essential element of the game I love. I've spent the past few years fascinated by these athletes and tracking down some of the best to ever kick a football in search of what made them succeed. Over 10 chapters, I'll do my best to explain the kicker position and what I believe it takes to make a champion. I'm Cole Weinstein, and this is Locked On Presents Through the Uprights, Chapter 10, the NFL's most promising kicking prospect this century
1: no one had taught me this is how you got to do it you know you got to take three steps this way two steps like i just got up there and just kicked it right like it was a goal kick but my dad was like whatever you guys want to do and whatever you guys are successful in i wanted you guys to play soccer because that's what i know that's what i excelled in and what i was passionate in so i knew i could teach you guys that so when we played football he couldn't really teach us like hey you know this is how you got to tackle this is it you just like listen to your coaches Aguayo took
0: his father's advice, but it wasn't the only tool Roberto Jr. used to get better and advance
1: his technique. And then we would watch college football, you know, to see dad, that guy plays guard, I play guard. And he was like, watch him, watch him, see how he does it, see how he blocks, see how he he carries himself. That's how we would learn. And then when I started kicking, I would watch all these kickers in the league and see how they would do it. So I would see that they would take three steps back, two steps to the side and how they would stand. I carried that into how I would kick.
0: Without his father to learn the tricks of the trade from, like he had in soccer, The best of the best in college football became Roberto Jr.'s newest teachers, at least from a distance.
1: So that's how I kind of learned just from a young age, just watching the pros. I remember David Akers watching him. He had such a smooth swing, lefty, Sebastian Janikowski. But yeah, I just try to watch the greats at that time and, and see how they did it and try to bring it into my game.
0: Another important element of the young kicker's football journey is his childhood fandom his favorite team.
1: I was a big Florida State fan growing up, and I just loved when the Seminoles played. And my practice jersey was, was a Leon Washington number 3 Seminoles jersey, and I was just a big knoll.
0: He remembers being at a birthday party for one of his younger brother's friends when his Knowles played the rival Miami Hurricanes. At this point, Xavier Batia was the team's starting kicker.
1: They were big Miami fans, so they had the game on. And we had our FSU jerseys, me and Ricky. I remember it came down to that last field goal. And I was. I remember because I was like, I'm a kicker. Like, I, come on, baby. Like, you got this. And I remember him kicking in, it goes up, and it's fading left, and it ends up being wide left. And I'm like, no, this was to win the game. It's the last second. All the Miami fans at the party erupted in cheers. I remember I had to walk out and I started crying. I started crying. And my mom and dad like come up to me and they're like, why are you crying? And I'm like, the Seminoles lost, like baby amiss." miss. But like, I was a passionate fan since I was little. And alongside his
0: brother, Ricky, Roberto's passion for the Florida State Seminoles turned into a passion for kicking.
1: I remember my dad built us, it was kind of like an H. So like it was a soccer goal on the bottom, but we could also practice field goals at the top. And we just had woods in the back of our yard. So like we would kick, you know, field goals in the fall, so when my, me and my brother would practice, we would play the, there was a little jingle that, you know, back ABC had that it was kind of like the hype moment. Like, you know, oh, we're about to kick a field goal. We would play that. Like, we would be like, all right, game winning field goal against Miami. Like pretending like we were Javier Arbadia like recreating the kick, like this is to win the game. And we would play that jingle and it would kind of get us nervous, like trying to get in each other's head. And that's how we would practice
0: build the perfect kicker in a lab this is what you would do you would give him a younger brother also with a knack for kicking a makeshift goalpost in a big backyard so he could practice and compete at his craft over and over again but that's not all the competition between brothers grew so fierce that the two would sing jingles designed to stir up nerves in the moment the brothers made the kicks harder for themselves but over time the two developed a resilience needed to kick beyond high school. But Roberto wasn't focused on any of that. He was just a kid practicing one of his gridiron rolls with his younger brother, and it was fun
1: that was like my third position. My focus was like, okay, like, I gotta make sure I get my keys of who the numbers are. What plays am I calling on defense? You gotta make sure I make the right blocks on offense. And then, you know, we would score a touchdown. I'd be like, right, I'm just gonna go kick this field goal. And I mean, I practiced it, but you know, I'd hit probably like five kick before practice.
0: He had absolutely no idea the fame his leg would bring him one day.
1: It wasn't like, oh, I want to be a pro kicker, and you know, I'm going to devote so much time to this or, you know what I mean? It was just like, just something else I did. That's how I looked at it.
0: Aguayo wasn't forced to truly consider his athletic ability until summer lifting before his freshman year of high school when he was approached by the
1: varsity head coach. I was like, you know, maybe I'll play linebacker or you know, whatever, whatever they need me at. He came up to me and he's like, hey, Roberto, I know you're a great kicker and our guy is leaving and he's going to play his, his senior year. He's just going to play soccer. We need a kicker. I want you to come up and play varsity and I just want you to be the kicker.
0: Clearly not the news the incoming freshman was expecting.
1: So I was at a crossroads, right? I'm like, man, like I played other position, I played tight end, I played linebacker. You know, I considered myself a football player an athlete. I wasn't a kicker, but I had the opportunity to play on varsity as a freshman. So, you know, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I mean, you're on varsity. It wasn't until, you know, I had, I kicked in this, in the season and I was making touchbacks, kicking field goals, extra points, the whole deal.
0: That was the first time Aguayo realized he may have a unique talent, one special enough to start making difficult decisions.
1: At the end of that season, soccer started in December and I was like, I don't think I'm gonna play, I don't know, you know, you had to choose. Like for me, I was like, what am I gonna go further in soccer or football? And I could kick the ball very well. And my friends that played soccer were like, man, we want you to play soccer, we wanna play soccer. So at the end, I had a spot on varsity and I waited too long and I went back and I was like, hey coach, I wanna play. He's like, all right, you waited too long, I'm gonna put you on JV.
0: As disappointing as the news was, Aguayo's soccer career was coming to a close.
1: I played one game and I remember I got hurt and I hurt my knee and I was out for like three months. I couldn't kick. I couldn't do anything. And that's when I told myself, I'm going to have to lay soccer down. I'm not going to play that anymore. I'm going to focus on football.
0: Aguayo had a soccer ball in his crib as a baby. It was the sport his father taught him to love. And just like that, he was done playing. Aguayo was a kicker now.
1: You know how tough it is to get into soccer. You know, you got to be like one of the best of the best. And like the MLS at that time wasn't as big as, you know, kind of it is now. And like, I mean, the big money is, is in Europe, right? But the chances are a lot harder to get full scholarships in college. And the better route was football. And I knew I was good at it. I knew I could get a scholarship and get school paid for. And, you know, maybe go and try to make it to the league. Saying
0: goodbye to your first love in sports is never something easy, but the decision was also a good one. It allowed Aguayo to see his full potential through as a kicker.
1: When I started getting better was, I hurt myself in December, freshman year, December. So I was out January, February, probably March, started kicking again, April. And then in May was when that letter came in the mail. And then that camp was in probably June like 10th or something around there, the beginning of summer.
0: Cole's kicking is just like any other football camp, except the focus is on specialists. Long snapping, punting, and of course, kicking.
1: They had a camp in West Palm Beach and that summer. That's when I realized I could go play Division I football because Cody Parkey was there.
0: At the time, Cody Parkey was an elite high school kicking recruit heading into his senior year. The Jupiter High Specialist would finish high school as ESPN's
1: top-ranked
0: kicking recruit of 2010.
1: He's already committed to Auburn. I remember sitting down, I remember hitting my dad. I was like, dad, I was like, that's Cody Parkey. He's the number one kicker in the country. He's committed to Auburn. He's gonna play football for Auburn. And I remember us kicking in camp and me and him were the finalists for the kickoff. And we both were neck and neck. Everyone was like, man, like, where are you committed? How many offers do you have? What school are you going to? And I was like, I'm a freshman going to be a sophomore. It
0: was at that camp where the rising sophomore showed to himself and the kicking community as a whole that he had something special.
1: I just realized myself that I can hang with a Division One kicker and the number one kicker in the country. After that, the coach that ran the camp, he was like, hey, we want to invite you to the uh, National Scholarship Camp.
0: The camp held in Whitewater, Wisconsin was in July, about a month and a half away at the time.
1: Leaving the camp, I was ranked number one kicker in the 2012 class, and that's when, that's when the letters started coming in.
0: And just like that, Roberto Aguayo was officially on the map. His 2009 season began with a leg injury that sidelined him for months and forced him to quit his first true sports love. Less than a year later, colleges were telling him that he could be their next great kicker.
1: Being on varsity your freshman year is pressure enough. Even though I was a kicker, people knew that I was good at it. And I was, especially once I went up there and was ranked the number one kicker in the country, then it's like, okay, you know, there's expectations. I'm the best in the country. Everyone knew like I was a, a highly touted athlete.
0: While they play different positions that get very different levels of attention, Aguayo's story reminded me of another athlete declared a phenom at a young age, Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Like Aguayo, Lawrence started on varsity and had success as a freshman.
1: Some games weren't as close as others, but like the pressure was there coming in in high school, you know trying to live up, like I'm the number one kicker in the country. Like I got a media day, you know, all that. Like I was one of the faces of our football team.
0: But the comparison goes deeper than just outward expectations that come with being good.
1: I've been doing it since high school and and having all these reps and just focusing on being a kicker and doing that. It's like Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. The 2008 book
0: became best known for arguing that our surroundings determine our success as much as our ability as well as the theory that it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert at something. Roberto Aguayo was born to a soccer-obsessed father and grew up around a brother who loved to compete at kicking as much as he did. The genetics of an athletic father, as well as those hours spent practicing as a child, made Roberto Aguayo the perfect candidate to start at kicker on his high school football team. Because he's starting as a freshman while other future college athletes are still on JV, he's getting more in-game reps at a younger age than his future competitors for college scholarships. If Aguayo continues to work on his craft, in theory, the cycle continues with him separating further and further from his competition based on how that experience compounds. The same thing happened with Trevor Lawrence. He was declared a phenom at a young age and given more chances to get better against top competition. Even just one extra year starting in high school can make a world of difference as far as experience goes, as well as the number of reps. I've
1: been swinging my legs since I was, I could walk. So that experience and that, those reps, and then coming into college, I mean, I had already, I don't know, I feel like I was ready for that next level. And it's all about rep, all about feel. The body just has done it so many times that it knows what to do.
0: The name Roberto Aguayo not only grew nationally amongst collegiate powerhouses who wanted him as their next star kicker, it began to grow locally as well,
1: you started hearing my name in the papers in preseason. They had you know the best, of the best kids from each team represent. It's like high school media day, and I, I remember I was one of the guys, me and probably the quarterback or something. And I was like, as a kicker, like I'm I'm going there. And you know, the media is like, you're you know, you're a great kicker, you know.
0: Malcolm Gladwell wrote an entire book on this phenomenon as well, The Tipping Point, the moment when all those little things push the ball just enough up the hill that it reaches a peak and begins to roll down, gaining momentum and compounding faster and faster and faster.
1: I was in the paper for hitting two 51 yard field goals in the same game. Like I hit one going one end zone and I hit one going the other end zone. So it wasn't like, oh, I had a win behind my back. It was like, I did it both ways as a sophomore. I remember it was against Okoye. And you know, those were two big kicks that I still remember to this day. In
0: the age of the internet, Aguayo would have been found by scouts at almost any high school in America, but it certainly didn't hurt that he played for the South Lake High Eagles.
1: And my head coach was very good on bringing scouts to practice, to games. he put us in a division higher than what we really needed to be. So we didn't really win that many games, but we would be playing teams of high caliber where he knew there would be scouts there for the other team. And at the same time, we would be getting looks as well.
0: A strong sophomore year combined with scouts and attendants paying attention to his games meant Roberto no longer needed high school kicking camps. Instead, he set his eyes on something bigger. That summer, he was named the MVP of the FSU kicking camp that he attended. His fandom of Florida State University football was no longer one-sided. The Seminoles and then head coach Jimbo Fisher had become fans of Aguayo as well.
1: I love Florida State. I won Most Valuable Player. Like I'm good. I know I'm good.
0: The current FSU starting kicker, Dustin Hopkins, was about to enter his final year of eligibility. If offered a scholarship, Aguayo could easily redshirt and take over after Hopkins graduated. The timing looked perfect. Roberto's junior season went well, and his reason to be optimistic only grew larger. In January of 2010, he attended FSU's Junior Day, where Coach Fisher told him that he was a finalist for the 2012 kicking scholarship they were going to offer to Hopkins' replacement. He was so close to reaching his goal of playing for his dream school.
1: At the end of the day, it's God's plan. If I'm meant to play at FSU, I'll play here. If not, I'll have an opportunity to play somewhere else.
0: Not too long after, Aguayo was in class, second or third period, when his teacher tells him his coach wants to speak with him in the hall. This had never happened before, and the kicker wondered if he was in trouble.
1: I was like, what's up, coach? He's like, I think this is the call you've been waiting for. It's Coach Fisher on the line.
0: And that's when the wave of excitement hit, one years in the making.
1: Hello, coach. Hey, Roberto, how are you? And I was like, I'm good, coach, how are you? And he's like, hey, I told you I wasn't gonna make you wait that long. We want you to be our kicker. And I'm I'm like kind of in shock. I'm like, yes, coach, yes, I I wanna be your kicker. I committed on the spot.
0: Aguayo knew where he was playing college ball, so the rest of high school became about getting better as a kicker. Part of that process meant studying his favorites.
1: Graham Gano played for FSU, and I remember coming to watch him at a bowl game here in Orlando, and he punted and he kicked, and he, hit. he ended up winning MVP of the game. He pinned two punts, like on the one, and, you know, made like a couple kicks.
0: In 2008, Gano had a season for the ages, 92% on field goals, and he won the Lou Groza Award as the best kicker in college football. He also punted for FSU, including three times inside the Wisconsin five-yard line, in the Champs Sports Bowl where he won MVP. Aguayo was just a freshman in high school at the time, so Ganot was the perfect player to look up to and learn from afar. As a true freshman in college, Aguayo got to learn up close from a different kicker, Dustin Hopkins.
1: He could have left that third year, and then that I would have started my freshman year. He decided to stay his senior year, so that gave me the opportunity to redshirt. Yeah, at first I was like, man, like I've never not started. I've never, you know, been a backup before. So it was kind of weird at first.
0: But soon, Aguayo would come to view this decision as a blessing. He wasn't ready to start at kicker as a true freshman, even if he didn't know it yet.
1: And walking out of the tunnel my first time as just a backup, I was dressed and everything, you know, but I had to go kick to the returners pregame. And the fans are just going crazy. And my heart starts, oh my gosh, like I've never kicked in front of these many people. Like, yeah, I've kicked on national TV. Like, you know, I've done a lot of pressure things, but like, this is different. And I was, I remember I was out there and I was looking around. I was like, wow, like I'm really here. Like, this is really happening. Like, I'm not even starting, but I'm like super nervous. I was kicking the balls to the returners and I was kicking them I was kicking it over their heads, like almost hitting the stand.
0: Aguayo was redshirted. The only way he would play in a game was if Hopkins got hurt and FSU decided to burn his extra year of eligibility. There was no logical reason for him to be nervous because he wasn't playing. Nevertheless, his special teams coach
1: had to talk to him. Roberto, tone it down a little bit. Take a breath, like calm down. I was like, sorry, coach, like, I'm just, the adrenaline is just there. And like the whole student section is filled already. And it's like 50 minutes before kickoff. And I'm like, imagine at kickoff, like what is it when the game starts? Yeah, I've been to games and I've been a spectator, but I've never been on the field. Florida State
0: was a stage too big for Aguayo at first. He needed time to acclimate to the college game and redshirting allowed him to do that. He got to deal with and react to the emotions of a game day crowd without the pressure of starting
1: that first year was a year where i feel like it settled not only the nerves and and, and not only let me experience like what it is to be on the field but also how to travel, what you need to take care of during the week. Like these little things that a lot of people don't know or think about or like, oh, you know, he should be playing. No, there's a a speed to the game, difference to the game coming from high school to college and same thing from college to the pros. You got to pick up, you got to adapt and you got to learn. And I feel like that redshirt year, they ended up traveling me the last half of the season. So I was there when we lost to NC State.
0: Florida State, on the road went into halftime up 16 to nothing against the Wolfpack. The Seminoles would lose the game 17 to 16. A demoralizing experience for a player, and Aguayo got to experience it firsthand as a true freshman still learning the ropes, rather than as a starter had to perform next week.
1: The fans were right behind us at NC State, just yelling and screaming and saying all these like, you suck, you're going to miss this kick to, you know, to Dustin. And I would just watch how Dustin carried himself, what Dustin did. You know, I was just trying to be a sponge, gather all the information I could. First of all, I know I'm one play away. Dustin steps wrong or rolls his ankle like they're throwing me in. I took every game and I prepared myself every game like I was going to go in. I was basically the backup quarterback. You know what I mean? Like I'm the backup.
0: Despite not playing his first season with the program, Aguayo prepared like the job might be his at any moment. If Hopkins went down, it was next man up and FSU was burning Aguayo's redshirt year.
1: I would watch how when we traveled, you know, what Dustin would eat, what the guys would eat you know, is it a good time to take a nap now? You know, when we had night games at eight o'clock, what am I going to do to kill the time from 11 in the morning till we got to go to pregame meal? Am I going to watch a movie? Am I going to stay on the phone? Am I just All those question marks of what do I need to do? What's going to help me succeed the most? That year doing that, you know, make sure in practice I was taking the reps that I needed to. It helped me mature and helped me going into my redshirt freshman year knowing I haven't played in a game, but I feel like I already have one year under my belt and I'm going into year two. Aguayo used
0: his redshirt time to his advantage to adjust to college, not just on an academic level, but on the field
1: as well. Another thing was... Working with my backup snapper and backup holder, we got to work that routine together because the next year we were the starting snapper, starting holder, and starting kicker. We had a, a whole year to work our operation, our habits of like, okay, where does Phil snap it? Is, you know, when he gets nervous, does he snap it low? Does he snap it high? Is it back? Cason, is he going to get it down? Where you know, what are his tendencies? It was a well-oiled machine coming into that second year.
0: Aguayo's work with holder Kaysen Beatty and long snapper Philip Dumar would become an essential foundation to the kicker's 2013 season and beyond. Beatty would hold for Aguayo his entire FSU career. The work that Aguayo had put into his redshirt season was about to pay off in a big way. Florida State opened up their 2013 season on the road against Pitt.
1: And I remember going into that game and I just felt super calm. I knew what I had to do. I was the guy and I knew what had to be done. Got to get all my homework done by this date. So when we're traveling, I don't have to worry about anything academically. I can just focus on the game and how I approached the game the day before and how I approached the game. We were getting on that bus and headed to the stadium and what kicks I was going to kick pre-game because I had already done it. I remember it was just a breeze. I remember my first extra point, you know, my first field goal. We ended up dominating that game. That was James's first game too.
0: Redshirt freshman quarterback Jameis Winston scored five times leading the Seminoles in a dominating victory over the Panthers. Aguayo was also perfect on both field goal attempts and all five extra points. FSU would continue to look like a championship contender starting 5-0.
1: We were rolling, right? We didn't know we were as good until we went up to Clemson and we beat them. That stadium was probably the loudest stadium that I had ever played. And I remember pregame, we had d- got done with our warm ups and I was sitting next to my holder. I was sitting next to Kaysen. We were right next to each other and we couldn't even hear each other. And we shut them down so quick.
0: The nearly 40 point beatdown of third ranked Clemson in Death Valley not only proved the Seminoles were the best team in the ACC but it proved they were maybe the best team in college football. Not to mention, Aguayo had gone perfect on kicks and scored 15 points that game, which would become the second highest total of his college career.
1: Coming home, that's when we were like looking at each other like, man, like we're good, we just beat one of the best teams in the country. Going into that year, there was no like, okay, we're gonna win, we're expected to win the national championship. Coach Fisher was like one game at a time, one week at a time, one play at a time. And that's how the mindset was, you know, go out there, just focus on every kick. Like it's, you know, just that kick.
0: And that's exactly what Aguayo did. He attempted 116 kicks in 2013 and missed just one of them. 94 extra points, which is a record, and 21 made field goals with just one miss. He had one of the greatest college kicking seasons of all time by taking it one kick at a time. But there's also a lot to be learned from the one missed kick Aguayo had that year. It's early November at Wake Forest on a noon kickoff. There are less than three minutes left in the second and FSU is winning 35 to nothing. Aguayo was attempting his first field goal of the day, a 43-yarder, but sixth kick because of extra points.
1: It was blowing right to left. I wanted to start it inside the right upright, pushed it a hair, but I was like, all right, win, come on, win, take it back in. And it slid right outside the right upright. It didn't, like the wind just didn't, it just stopped blowing. And I remember my holder looked at me like, damn, did I do something wrong? And I was like, no, like I missed it, man. And he like looked at me kind of like, you missed. And I got to the sideline and I was like, whoa, this has never happened before. It was my first miss of my career. sat down and I was like, damn, I missed. And Kason was like, you're good, bro. You're good. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm just going to take a second because like this is my first miss of my career. And, you know, we've been rolling probably, you know, a minute or two to let it sink in. And after that, it's like, all right, got to prepare for the next one.
0: Two and a half game minutes later, right before the end of the half, Aguayo would make his sixth extra point that day and go into the break up as many touchdowns. It wasn't until about halfway through the third quarter that Aguayo would get another field goal attempt, almost identical in length to his miss, this time going the opposite way.
1: And I remember going out for my second kick, and that is probably one of the hardest kicks to kick is after you've missed one. It's like, I'm human. Like, oh, shoot. And I remember going out for that kick and stuck to my process. Coach Fisher would say that kick's done with a, a new play, a new kick, new play. And I made that kick. And I was like, all right, life still goes on. And, you know, I'm human, but I'm able to adapt and, and bounce back. And, and that was the only miss of my season.
0: Ultimately, what happened to Aguayo here was pretty normal. And his response was a strong one. He made every other kick that game and every other kick the rest of the season but he was also honest about how much the one miss did rattle around in his head. Adversity, even if tiny, can stick with you.
1: I had never been in that situation before. When I was redshirted, I had gone through all the other situations, but I had never played, so I never made one or missed one. So, like, I started out my career, make, 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 okay, boom, everything's rolling. And then you miss one and you're like, oh, shoot, I haven't been in this position. I mean, my last miss was, what, my senior year of high school two years ago in a game? And now I'm like, whoa. Okay, okay, you know, it's like nothing, nothing crazy. Nothing. I, you know, went through my process. I stuck through it. But I, like I said, I had the help of those guys, of Phil and case and knowing when to say and what to say at the right time. And they're, you know, like, hey, man, like, on to the next. Like, you're going to have another opportunity and you got to be ready. You can't, you can't dwell on it.
0: Beatty and Dumar were like Aguayo's caddies, helping keep his kicks and mental game on track. As Chapters 5 and 6 discuss, long snappers and holders can make or break a kicker's career, and Aguayo's made his. He'll be the first guy to admit it. He had Beatty his entire career, and only one other long snapper after Dumar. Consistency a kicker would dream of, which is why Aguayo made sure to take them to the Lou Groza ceremony in Palm Beach, Florida after his historic redshirt freshman season.
1: I was very blessed. Kaysen had was a great holder, man. He had just smooth hands and they were a huge part of of my success. And that's why I brought them to the to the Lou Groza dinner, because without them, I wouldn't have been the kicker that I was. I wouldn't have broken the records that that I had broken if it wasn't for them. And also, you got to take credit to the O-line that blocked so well for me that year.
0: Florida State was undefeated and two redshirt freshmen were making history. Quarterback Jameis Winston won the Heisman Trophy as the best player in college football, and Aguayo was given a similar honor for his position.
1: I won it. Like, that's crazy and like i remember because i have a little like goal board a little visualization board going into that season i had i had printed out a picture of someone else winning a groza but i cut out their face and i put my face on it so every day i would see that and not like i would say like oh i'm gonna win the groza this year but i would just see me holding the trophy and a year later lo and behold i am the winner and i am the picture and you gotta think that you can do it before it happens Coming back and looking at that picture in my room, thinking, well, now I can take that picture down and just put a picture of myself (laughs) because I have won it. You look back and you appreciate like, wow. And, And I was so close to winning it the next year, too. I lost by two votes. Closest race in grows of history.
0: We'll get to that. But first, Aguayo had a national championship to win. Number one ranked Florida State was headed to Southern California to take on Auburn. This was the year of the famous Chris Davis missed field goal Iron Bowl touchdown return over Alabama as time expired. The winner would be crowned national champion in Pasadena.
1: Up to that point, the most calm I had ever been in my high school career, all of my college career, the most calmness I've ever had going into a game. And it was the national championship game. Like, I just didn't make it up to be like what it was. I was just like, yeah, it's the national championship game. Cool, like whatever, like I'm gonna go golf, thinking about like, oh, what am I gonna do? Like when I'm, during my free time, I'm gonna go golf and like work on my chipping. Like, not that I didn't appreciate the moment, Not that I didn't want to be there, but I knew that's how I needed to approach it. Because if I started telling myself, like, whoa, this is a national championship game, everyone's going to be watching. Like, that's when you start not overthinking things, but like making it seem much more than what it really is. At the end of the day, it's just a game.
0: His strategy paid off. Aguayo was perfect kicking in the national championship. Two made field goals over 35 yards and all four extra points. The final one coming with 13 seconds left in the game to put FSU ahead of Auburn by a field goal. Not only was that kick the cherry on top of a national championship and Groza winning season, but it also gave Aguayo sole possession of the record for the most points by a specialist in a season in college football history. He passed Quinn Sharp's 2012 season at Oklahoma State.
1: We were going out to kick the last PAT in the national championship game. I was running out with Kaysen and Phil. I was like, guys, this kicks to break the record. And Phil was like, are you serious? Like, you're thinking about that right now? Like, lock in. And I was like, what, Phil, like, calm down, bro. Like, Come on, it's a PAT, like, relax. And I remember, I remember, you know, we snapped it. whatever, I made the kick. And Phil's like, all right, now we can celebrate. Now we can celebrate. Aguayo had a
0: perfect start to his kicking career. He had a family life that molded him into a protege, a high school program that gave him the reps and exposure, a college that redshirted and took care of him, let him learn for a year behind future pro Dustin Hopkins, then as a redshirt freshman, Aguayo went undefeated, won the Lou Groza award, and a national championship. It genuinely does not get better than that, but there's a price to all of that excellence.
1: The next season, you're like, all right, man, we're just going to do this all over again. We're going to go and win a national championship all over again. But it just goes to show you how hard it is to do it again. And everyone asks, like, oh, you know, what are you going to consider a good season? Like, going perfect? And I'm like, I mean, I guess, yeah, I missed one. So, like, you got to miss one less than your last season, and that means I have to go perfect. But I was like, you know what? Just keep on doing the same thing I did last year. If I go perfect, I go perfect. If not, you know, what I mean? that's not going to define the season that I have. You know what I mean? I might have tougher kicks. I might have less kicks. I might have, you know what I mean? So I looked at it. Every kick matters, no matter, you know, if we're up by 30 or not.
0: Aguayo's best statistical performance of his college career came in early October against Wake Forest. The Demon Deacons were his only miss in 2013, and this time, he was back with the game of his life. Perfect on nine kicks, five of which were field goals.
1: I went five for five, and I had one from like 51, 50, I want to say 53, that was probably my career long. I was rolling. That well oil machine was rolling, and I mean, to have that many opportunities, it was great. Obviously, as a kicker, you want to have, you know, all these kicks, more, more opportunity. Obviously, like, but yeah, I remember I came off the field and they're like, you tied Sebastian Jenikowski and I think she's Messia for most kicks in a game. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, that's so cool. Those games are fun. The, you always want games like that as opposed to, oh, I only had one extra point or I didn't kick any field goals or any extra points. And the funny thing is my brother, his first game breaks that record. And he goes six for six. (laughs) He holds the record for most kicks in a game at FSU.
0: Florida State beat Wake Forest by 40 points in that game. The 2014 FSU roster had a ton of talent, just like the year before.
1: But I remember that year we had a lot of close calls and it was harder than it was the 2013 year. There were some games that that we came out of, especially that Louisville game. Oh my gosh, we came out of there. We took that victory and left.
0: At one point, down 21 to nothing, Jameis Winston led FSU back down to just three at the end of the third quarter. Aguayo had a chance to tie it up for his team at 24 all. He has not missed a kick since the Wake Forest game the previous year.
1: Being down 21-0, every point matters. It's a field goal to tie the game up. That 41-yarder, I'm pretty sure like all my misses came between 41 and like 43 yards because I never missed under 40. My Louisville was, I think, 41 left hash. But yeah, coming off, off of that miss, I was like, golly, man, first of all, I'm not helping my team. This could cost us the win. Okay, I want another opportunity, and I know I need to let this one go because the chances of it coming down to me tying it up or winning by a field goal are high.
0: Aguayo didn't get another chance at a field goal until his next game. It wasn't needed as Winston and the Seminoles offense scored three fourth quarter touchdowns to beat the Cardinals by double digits. Thankfully for Aguayo, that miss was just another learning moment. The architect of these dominant Florida State teams was then head coach Jimbo Fisher, someone Aguayo had learned a lot from.
1: He was a big trust the process guy. We don't focus on the result. We trust the process and we stick to it. He was hard on us. You know we needed that we're we're, we're young kids though we think we're we're old but we're 17 18 19 20 21 year olds you know so he knew what what to say when to say it one of the sayings that we said before going out in the game is and every possession ends in that and then we would all say kick every possession ends in that kick and i remember my redshirt freshman year i was like did he say kick and then i thought about it and i was like okay every possession ends in a kick whether it's a punt an extra point or a field goal, no fumbles, no interceptions. If we do every possession ends in a kick, we're, we're doing something right. We're going to win the game. So that was like one of his things where it's like, okay, like that's cool. Every possession ends in a kick. Like that's, that's it.
0: That statement would never be more true than in late November that year against Boston College. After a missed field goal by BC, the game is tied and the Florida State offense has four and a half minutes to drive the ball down the field and win the game.
1: And I remember that drive coming down, knowing like, as long as I get in field goal range, this is a game winner. And I remember I was like, you know what, like I, I want a long one, like I want, you know what I mean? Like Jameis and the team drove it down and they had enough time where they could drive it down as close as they could get it. And I remember Coach Fisher, you know, telling me where I wanted it. And I was like, I want it right in the middle.
0: Winston drives the ball down to the eight and gives Aguayo a shot at a 26 yard game winner, the only one of his college career
1: it's easy for you to that doubt to come in and be like, it's like one of those like two and a half, three foot putts where it's like, you should make this man, but there's always a possibility that you can miss. And it was raining that game. Like easily the thoughts could have came in where I hope Phil gets a good snap, but I was confident. I was like, I was ready. I was like walking onto the field before coach Fisher even said field goal. I was like, all right, you know, it's fourth down. Let's go hit it right down the middle, won the game. But every game winner, holds a special memory inside your inside your heart because you know, like, it's to win the game, man. So pretty happy I was able to make that and continue the, the win streak going into that year.
0: Aguayo's game winner gave Florida State their 28th straight win dating back to 2012. It would be 30 straight by the time they would return again to the Rose Bowl to play in the first ever college football playoff semifinal game. Their opponent in Pasadena this time the Oregon Ducks and quarterback Marcus Mariota.
1: I don't think we had a good week of practice. Coach Fisher did bring it up. You know, we're, we're, we didn't have a good week of practice. You guys aren't as focused as you guys could be. And I think we were a little little overconfident. And I think we went out there and just started a little late, didn't come out of the gates, and nothing went our way looking back at that game. I mean, that's when Jameis had that slip, fell. They recovered it. They scored. It's just like I had a missed field goal. It was my attempt was for a career long from 54, and it doinks off the upright. That was right before I'm just like, oh my God, I missed 54 yarder. We're loose, like nothing just went our way. This kind
0: of first half performance wasn't anything out of character for Fisher and that Florida State team.
1: We had that mindset like, oh, we're a second half team. If we're down, like, I think we came back two or three times in the second half during that year. Louisville being one of them, we wouldn't start out the gate like we needed to but we would always find a way to win so you know when we were losing we are like oh we'll just find a way to win and then it was like okay we're not scoring in the third quarter. is this really happening like are we really about to lose like we haven't lost since I mean two years ago like one of the worst losses you could have after going on a run like that you know what I mean I would get it if we lost by a close game but we just got we just got to hand it to us I mean we did we shoot yeah, well, that's definitely not one of the best Uh, performances overall that we could have had. That flight home was definitely one of the quietest flights that I've been on.
0: There's one more defeat from the 2014 season that I still need to talk about. How Aguayo lost that
1: year's Lou Groza Award. I had it in my mind, like, you know, I'm pretty sure I won comfortably. I think I, I think I have won. I remember when they announced the name and you're, you know, 2014 Lou Groza winner, Brad Craddock, University of Maryland. And I was like, I remember because they put the cameras on you. So they come up to you and the cameras are right in front of you. And I remember like just taking a deep breath and I'm like, dang, and, you know, I started, I clapped for Brad, and, and obviously, you know, he 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 had a great season. He missed one. Judd Groza, Lou Groza's son, which the award is named after, came up to me after uh, Craddock won, and he was like, that's the closest race we've had since 1992. He's like, you lost by two votes.
0: Despite ending his season losing the Groza and a shot at a national championship, Aguayo still had plenty of reason to be riding high. He had just completed two of the greatest kicking seasons in the history of college football. Florida State may have had a lot to prove going into the next season, but Aguayo sure didn't.
1: Definitely after that 14-year, the thought did come into my head, I can leave after this year.
0: He briefly considered declaring for the draft, but was convinced by his head coach to stay another season. Mostly it was to earn a degree and make his parents proud, But another year at FSU also meant Roberto's younger brother Ricky could replace him as the team's starting kicker in 2016.
1: So then I made the decision to stay, you know, really that year, it was just more of like Kind of like I've already done everything. Now it's just doing it again this year. We had lost Jameis. It was tough. We didn't really know how good we were gonna be. I mean, we had good athletes. We had good guys. I ended up, you know, not having the best season I would have wanted. There was a ton of expectation, a lot of hype around it. It wasn't anything dramatic or different. It's just some years, you know, you're gonna have better seasons than others. The next year, the Seminoles
0: would finish 10 and 3 with a loss in the Peach Bowl to Houston. Aguayo would make 21 of 26 field goals and still didn't miss an extra point. He would join Deion Sanders as the only other FSU player with three first-team All-American honors. After three seasons amassing 405 points, Aguayo truly had nothing left to prove.
1: One thing Coach Fisher said, hey, once you leave here, you're never gonna have these four years again in your life. And at the time, you know, I was like, hey, I've already been here, you know, four years, played three years. Cool, I stay a fifth year, but like, it's not like I'm gonna party or anything. I I just felt like older and I knew, you know, I was ready for something else. I I didn't really think of it as something really crazy. I was like, you would declare early all the time.
0: But kickers don't usually declare early. The last one to do so was fellow Florida State kicker Sebastian Janikowski heading into the 2000 draft. Janikowski was rewarded after the Raiders took him with their first round pick. As for Aguayo, he seemed to be in the same rarefied air. During the 2006 Combine, Bleacher Report published a profile titled, Meet Roberto Aguayo, the NFL's most promising kicking prospect this century.
1: Probably like six or seven kickers. Just worked out, all the teams sit behind the uprights in Lucas Oil Stadium, and it was like 10 kicks. I mean, I did okay. I either I missed one or made all of them, I don't know. But my, I know my FSU workout, I made all, all of them. I think I went 10 for 10.
0: Aguayo was being evaluated like a top-kicking talent. He did what was asked of him, and more importantly, didn't mess up and give teams a reason to doubt him. There were no private workouts, or teams he hoped would take him, Whatever happened, happened. Even the Buccaneers had little to no contact.
1: The only time they did something was after my pro day at FSU. I had kicked field goals and then their special teams coach just brought me to the side and wanted me to hit a couple onside kicks. And really, that was it.
0: To celebrate draft weekend, the Aguayo family rented a house on Ana Maria Island, coincidentally off the coast of Tampa. The feeling was a relaxed one, as Roberto and loved ones spent the first day golfing. Aguayo knew the earliest he could realistically go was day two. The first time his phone begins to ring that day, Aguayo gets excited.
1: And I see Mom on the phone, and I'm like, "Mom, why are you calling me?" I'm like, "You can't like psych me out like that." She's like, I'm making, I'm making sure the, phone, the call's going to come through." and I was like, and then all of a sudden, we're sitting down there watching the draft, and the phone rings. And I'm like, "Mom, are you calling me?" I'm like, is anyone calling me? And they're like, no.
0: And just like that, Aguayo was about to reach a goal he'd worked most of his life to
1: achieve. And it's a 813, and it's Tampa area code. Get the phone. He was like, hey, this is Jason Light. Buccaneers general manager since 2014 how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm good. How are you? And they're like, we're going to trade up. We're trading up right now. We're going to take you with, uh, with our next pick. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I, I honestly, honestly, I don't even remember what I said. I was just so like in shock. So like, this is really happening. Am I dreaming? Like, this is crazy. And I remember I talked to Coach Cutter. Then head coach of Tampa. And then after that, I got off the phone, hugged everyone, still feel surreal.
0: Aguayo became the highest drafted kicker since Ohio State's Mike Nugent was also taken in the second round back in 2005. Tampa Bay gave up a third and fourth round pick for the right to trade up and take the phenom. Aguayo even got off the phone in time to witness it all on TV for himself.
1: With the 59th pick or in the NFL draft, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers select kicker Roberto Aguayo... It was cool being with family and seeing that. And I still was just like, wow, like, I feel like I'm in a movie. Like, this is crazy. Like, I just got drafted. Like, I honestly didn't know the world I was about to enter. And like, every year when the draft comes around, reminds me of that day and that's someone no one can take away from me that I did get drafted, uh, how hard it is, and especially that high at this position i mean it's i'll be in the record books forever so that's awesome it's a great feeling and a great story obviously like if you could go back and tell yourself everything you've learned now and tell my 21 year old self that when i get drafted hey man this is what you should do do it this way it would probably be different but everything happens for a reason
0: Soon, the overwhelming feeling of reality began to
1: set in. It was probably like later that night where I'm just like, was like excited still and like awesome. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm moving to Tampa. Um, you know, like, when do I gotta go? Like, what, I, you start thinking about all these things. What number am I gonna wear? Like, is the team gonna welcome me since I was a high pick as, as a kicker? Like, you know, all these thoughts where it's like, I'm a professional now, like, how how is it? Like, I'm not gonna have to go to school anymore. Like, like what? Well, you know, like, shoot, like, it was very overwhelming.
0: I never thought about it this way until writing this story, but the off-season heading into your rookie year is unlike anything a player goes through. Rather than spending your time resting, recovering, and taking your mind off the brutality of a college football season, you spend most of your energy trying to get drafted. And once you finally know your team, it's May, and training camp starts in July. Not to mention minicamp and OTAs in between
1: it was just like a whole learning experience that whole first year you know just because you're the only guy there you're the starting kicker right away obviously you know you've done what you've done but like inside you're like well you know I've I've been trying to go through a swing change and everything and then you're like well and then you start hearing the critics where it's like they shouldn't have taken you that high what do you feel like and then you're like well I mean yeah it wasn't my I, I didn't choose to pick myself the expectation and the excitement and everything that it comes with being a second round kicker came quick and it was just like, welcome to the NFL, buddy. Welcome to the real world.
0: The outside pressure was obvious. Anyone following the story could see that trading up to take a kicker in the second round would put a target on his back and make him an easy mark for discourse. But as Aguayo said himself, the pressure that wasn't talked about at the time was the changes he was making to his kicking
1: motion. At the end of that year, going into the league, you know, I was wanting to, I knew the swing that I had. I wasn't going to last as long in the NFL. It was a very aggressive swing. I always wanted to get better. I always wanted to be more efficient, be injured less, be sore less. And I knew I was going to play more games in the league than in college. So that after that year, my senior year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go through the swing change. And I knew like can adapt quick and I can learn quick. But ultimately, it wasn't enough time for the body to adapt and for it to become muscle memory.
0: Aguayo's swing was violent. It left his body sore and eventually could create a serious problem for his groin if he continued to play.
1: Yeah, the style of my kick, very wedged. Like, that's why you can get so much height. It was just like you were scooping it. You're wedgie. I've, I was very vigorous. I would go at the ball 100% every time. You come off the game and you're just like, oh my gosh, like my groin sore, my lower back. And my glutes are sore like why am i so sore and it's like well you know your swing's aggressive and then like statistically looking at all these kickers in the league that have had groin issues it stems from that style of swing and that style of approach so i was already looking ahead like hey i don't want this and it happened to dustin and i kind of kicked similar to dustin just because we were both there
0: after mentoring aguayo his final year at fsu dustin hopkins was drafted in the sixth round by the Bills but injured his groin in practice in early September. He missed the season and never played a down in Buffalo. Aguayo developed the same kind of swing studying Hopkins at FSU. Remember, Aguayo learned to kick by watching his idols on TV. No coach really taught him his form or gave him a base to work from with the long-term health of his body in mind. Rather, Aguayo took the soccer swing his father taught him and modified it based on what he and his brother saw on TV. His kick became his take on all of his favorite kickers. When Aguayo met Hopkins as a college freshman, his way of improving as a kicker was copying the guy ahead of him. In turn, Aguayo's kicks modeled Dustin's. The unique combination of kicking influences earned him glory and praise but if Aguayo wasn't careful, it could derail his kicking career.
1: Sooner or later, this is going to catch up to me. And I'd rather, now that I have time, you know, transition into league, I want to change it. Was it enough time looking back at it? No. Were the circumstances right to do it at that time? I didn't know. I didn't know I was going to get drafted in the second round. The pressure and the expectation mixed with trying a new swing, it just wasn't really a recipe for success.
0: Starting as a rookie in the NFL is hard enough. Being a second-round kicker in the social media age is hard enough. Also, modifying your swing just further amps up the pressure.
1: And you get in the camp and you're like, "All right, first preseason game," and you're just and you start out, you know, with a miss, and everyone's like, "Oh," and then like, "Okay, well, I've never missed," and le- like, "Oh shoot, like, way to start off on the right foot." Yeah, Obviously, it's preseason, but then it's like, "God, like, damn, like, everything just happens so quick." Right
0: off the left upright. The same kicker who made all 198 extra points in college and never missed from under 40 yards, just missed an NFL extra point. After being touted as the next great kicker and a whole summer of debating his draft value, Aguayo missed his first ever kick and an extra point at that. Forget he made his one other kick that game, a field goal. Forget that this was only the second year of the NFL's new longer extra point rule. Forget that this was the preseason where games don't actually count. The Buccaneers had traded up into the second round and drafted a kicker who missed his first extra point. That was all the doubt needed for people to start to question if Aguayo was actually the most promising kicker of his generation. The next week, Aguayo was perfect on three extra points but only made two field goals on four attempts. The Buccaneers drafted Aguayo to be a star and he was being treated like one who didn't live up to expectations. This obviously wasn't front page news or leading sports talk shows across the country, but it was certainly a national talking point in the football world. Aguayo's struggles were the kind of water cooler sports topic that countless football pundits and fans had an opinion on.
1: Every kick in practice, every kick in preseason, every I feel like everything was being charted. And I was basically, you know, I had to be a robot. I had to make everything. You know, maybe if I would've came in a little bit less, I have, I have to make everything, I have to make everything, I have to be a robot, it would've been a lot different. And, you know, like preseasons, preseason, like I'm gonna be the starting kicker, get all the bad kicks out during preseason. I put more pressure on myself than what needed to be.
0: Despite the pressure that Aguayo was allowing the world to put on him, it didn't show week 1. The Buccaneers beat the Falcons by a touchdown and Aguayo was perfect on five kicks, a 43-yard field goal and four extra points.
1: That first game felt good and but like at that point I realized, you know, every year it's week by week.
0: The Buccaneers would lose the next three games, outscored by their opponents by nearly 60 points. Aguayo would make four or five extra points in those games and missed both of his field goal attempts, each beyond 40 yards. Aguayo is a struggling rookie on a struggling team.
1: I don't want to go out, like I don't want to be seen, like I don't want to, I, I'm like, I don't, like I, I got more things to focus on and trying to, you know, manage my swing. And like in the Conor McGregor, the McGregor uh, notorious documentary, like when you lose a fight, when you don't perform well, you're thinking everyone you see, even the grandma down the street is looking at you like, you suck, like you are the scum of the earth, you know? So you start thinking these thoughts where like you go and you're like, like people notice who I am when I go out. Are they thinking that I suck? Are they thinking that I am just shouldn't be here? Like, you know what? Like, I'd rather just stay home. It was tough. At Florida State,
0: Winston and Aguayo lost one game in their combined two years in Tallahassee. Now, they had three straight in Tampa. Jameis had thrown seven interceptions in that span, and the people who thought Aguayo was overdrafted to begin with had no reason to change their takes. Aguayo was a quarter of the way into his rookie season, and the bust discussion was already beginning.
1: Yeah, I mean, that fifth game, that Carolina game, it was a crazy game. I'd come off, I'd miss it being three for five that game.
0: It's an NFC South showdown in early October between the Panthers and Buccaneers. Both teams have one win and are fighting tooth and nail to stay relevant in the playoff hunt. By the end of the first quarter, Aguayo had already made and missed a field goal. At halftime, all of the Buccaneers' six points have come on field goals. Aguayo had also missed a 33-yarder in the second quarter. By late in the third quarter, the score is tied at 14. With less than four minutes left in the game, Aguayo was given a 46-yard attempt to take the lead back for his team. He misses and the Panthers get the ball back with the score tied.
1: I had missed two already and it was a close game. I remember Jameis coming up to me and saying, we're gonna drive back and you're gonna hit the game winner. Like at that point, I'm like, I've already missed two. I've made two, probably the toughest kick that I've had to make in my career.
0: The Bucs quarterback was right. The Tampa defense forced a three and out and Winston and the Buccaneers offense marched down the field. With three seconds left, Aguayo was called out for a 38-yard attempt that would determine the game.
1: That experience is very monumental in my career. A lot of mixed emotions in that game and highs, lows. But yeah, I ended up making the one that that counted and we ended up winning. At the end of the day, it's all that matters. At the end of the day, I made the one that counted and okay, who cares about my stats? We ended up getting the win.
0: The Buccaneers had their bye the following week, which meant 13 days until the next game. That's the most time Aguayo had since early August. This was the best chance he had to figure out what to do with his swing.
1: I had to just figure out something that I could, you know, run through the rest of the year, not working on something, because you don't want to work on something during the season, right? You want to know that you stick with something and you trust it, and that's what I told myself.
0: Aguayo had cobbled together a hybrid swing. A blend of the kick that left him sore but made him a top pick and the new form he was striving for. He had spent his first five kicks silently stuck between two swings and wasn't going to do that any longer.
1: And having that expectation, it was kind of like hello world with internally me thinking like, well, I have two swings then I don't know which one to go with and I don't know if I can trust a new one yet or not and dealing with that. But like at that point, you can't tell people that because they're going to be like, wait, what? Like, why, why would you change? Like, why would you switch it? Like, if it works so well, and call, like, you know what I mean? It's like, people aren't going to understand. So might as well just be like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my, you know, I'm working on myself, getting better every day. And That's kind of where it was at that first year.
0: In the next four games, Aguayo went 11 of 12 on extra points and five of six on field goals. The one miss being from 50 yards. Aguayo's stats were improving but his reputation wasn't. Bucks fans still booed him for missing his extra point against the Raiders, but what stuck with Aguayo that day was meeting then-Oakland kicker and former first-round pick Sebastian Janikowski.
1: I traded jerseys with him. And that's the only person I traded jerseys with in my career. I mean, he's a two-time grows a winner, Florida State legend. The guy you look up to, all kickers look up to When I played against him, he's like, I went up to him. I was like, hey, Sebastian, how are you, man? Nice to meet you. He's like, you're pretty good yourself. And he's like, hey, man, just kick the ball. You know what I mean? Just uh, He gave me some words of advice. You just relax. Just kick the ball. You know, I was like, man, like, getting advice from Sebastian Nikowski. And to him, his approach to the game is he literally is just, like, just out there just kicking the ball like it's a soccer Basketball. Funny guy, good dude, she played forever. Great guy, and I still have his jersey.
0: Janikowski was in his 17th season with the Raiders by that point. A beloved all-timer in silver and black, yet he struggled as a first-round rookie kicker. But his words clearly pointed Aguayo in the right direction. The rookie didn't miss a kick in Weeks 9 or 10, with Week 11 at the Chiefs being the most memorable game of his
1: pro career. I'm going to finish out the year. And I remember going into that Kansas City game with that swing. And I was like, you know what? Just trust it. Just swing. You got nothing to lose. Whatever happens, happens. And I four for four. Boom, boom, boom. Best game in my career up to this day.
0: Aguayo's field goals all came in the first three quarters of the game and gave Tampa a slight lead heading into the final quarter. Winston and the offense struggled in the red zone and relied on their kicker to keep them in the game. When the Buccaneers' offense finally reached the end zone to seal the deal, Aguayo's extra point was right down the middle. His 13 points were the best of his career and earned him Special Teams Player of the Week honors, the first by a Buccaneer since 2008. It's also worth noting that Week 11, 2016, was a historic one for kickers. 12 extra points were missed that day, the most in over 50 years. Cody Parkey and Dustin Hopkins both missed that day. Mike Nugent, the last second round kicker before Aguayo. He missed two extra points that day. The NFL doesn't celebrate making extra points, but that week, Aguayo got rewarded for making his.
1: I mean, it was really those first five weeks where I missed the most. And then from Kansas City on, I was doing pretty good until the last, the last game of the season where our snapper went down.
0: In the five games after the Chiefs win, Aguayo made all of his extra points and went eight of 10 on field goals. He went perfect on kicks in three straight weeks, including 16, a game he remembers fondly.
1: That Saints game going into the Superdome, I just, you know, felt really good, felt confident in my swing and and just try to focus more on the process and not the results. Give it a good line, give it a good start. If it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't, oh, well, you know, I I gave it a chance. Instead of like, I got to make this and just think, make, 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 you deviate from the process.
0: The following week was the final regular season game of the year against the Panthers. Aguayo finished one of three on kicks. The first came in the second quarter from 46 yards, a range Aguayo had struggled with all season, but the next miss came in the fourth quarter after the team's starting long snapper, Andrew DePaula, tore his ACL.
1: I mean, obviously when you have a backup snapper, you're like, okay, I can't go as fast as I usually go because we don't know where the snap's gonna be, so I can't put stress on the holder. Yeah, I think I ended up going one for three that game and kind of just left a salty taste in my mouth and then everyone there, you know what I mean? It's a tough way to end.
0: After all was said and done, Aguayo finished the season kicking 71% on field goals, but he got a lot better in the second half of the year. From the Raiders in week eight to the Saints in week 16, Aguayo was an 88% field goal kicker with one missed extra point. His rookie year was certainly inconsistent to put it best, but to not see the bright spots meant you weren't looking hard enough. Being a rookie is hard. If a second-round receiver or tight end had a nine-week stretch of that quality of play for his team, they'd probably be pretty optimistic heading into year two. But it's just different for kickers
1: you know, you're gonna miss some, but for me, I had this whole mindset that I needed to be perfect. It wasn't a good game unless I made all of my kicks and was just focused more on the outcome rather than the process. And I was able to focus on the process a little bit more that second half of the year. At the End of the day, with the way I had to deal with and the way that I had to approach it and, you know, try to come up with this hybrid swing, trying to just not get by, but like find something manageable that I could work with that I could grind it out and get me through and end up going 72%. I think and 90, whatever, just missing two extra points, which extra points are field goals these days in the NFL. And you can look at it and be like, wow, I mean, that's pretty good.
0: His 71 field goal percentage was better than Janikowski's first season. The former first round kicker and multiple Groza winner managed just under 69% from range, but the Raiders stayed committed to their top draft pick and Janikowski reached 82% the following season. Roberto Aguayo's career began in the preseason with a missed extra point and effectively ended in Week 17 with a blocked field goal. Technically, Aguayo's last kick that season was a made extra point, but the damage had already been done. That offseason, Tampa Bay signed veteran kicker Nick Folk to compete with him in training camp. Aguayo was cut after his first preseason game. He didn't perform well in that game, but Tampa's opinion of the former second rounder was clear. What made the situation worse was the Buccaneers were featured on the premium cable show Hard Knocks that season. Aguayo was not only cut one year into a four-year rookie contract as a second rounder, it was broadcast on HBO.
1: I didn't know that cameras were in there. I thought it was just us three, but after I realized I was on national TV and I was like, well, you know, that sucks, but you know, it is what it is. One day when I have kids and they're probably gonna be able to see it. And then it is what it, I mean, I was genuine. I was just me and I was just like, you know what? I, I get it, I haven't performed the way I needed to. Business is business. First time getting cut sucks. After I got cut, you know, it's just like, dang, like I really just got fired and I got fired on national TV. But at the end of the day, it's another event that makes you who you are. That first time you get cut, next time you get cut, it's just like, all right, well, I got cut. You know, it is what it is and life moves on. You can't dwell on it. Have I watched the video? No, I've lived, I lived it. I know what happened.
0: Aguayo wouldn't have to wait long. The very next day, the Chicago Bears claimed him to their active roster, and gave him a chance to compete for the starting job.
1: Restart, it was different. I'd never been to Chicago. I was just taking it all in. Just is what it is. Like, I'm in a new team, you know, just kick, just kick. And, you know, at the end of the day, they ended up keeping Connor.
0: Prior to playing for Chicago, Connor Barth was the kicker for Tampa. He was cut by the Bucks after the team drafted Aguayo.
1: I don't think I was as ready as I needed to be to play. You know what I mean? I still wasn't comfortable with where I needed to be. I know full peak performance. And that time off was when I was like, after I got cut by the bears, you know, I was like, I'm gonna just completely clean slate. Let's work, get comfortable with this swing that I want to swing. I started working on that. Might as well now, you know, just completely go for that new swing. I don't know when I'm going to get signed again, whatever it is, what it is. Might as well do it now, then wait until after this season. So after that, I started working on what I wanted to. I was in Tallahassee, I was training at FSU, so I was kicking there, I was working out there.
0: Since the Bears snagged Aguayo the day after he was cut, this was his first real break away from football. Without the pressure and expectations of being in Tampa or competing for a job in Chicago, he could just work at his craft and attempt to perfect the new swing that he'd been working towards. It only took about two months for Aguayo to get some exciting news.
1: In October is when I get signed. I remember I was at an FSU game. My agent calls me and he says, the Panthers are going to want to work you out. You're going to fly out tomorrow. Boom, flew out. I went 10 for 10 in my workout. I remember Young Way who was there. Andrew Franks was there, but I made all my kicks. And this is what I had started working with as soon as I got cut from the Bears. like committed to like this new swing, this new approach. And that was the first time it worked in competition. Obviously it wasn't a game, but I was like, this works. This is, I like this, this is good. And every time it would work in competition, it was like another like, okay, what I'm doing is is working. What I'm doing is right. I'm gonna continue working on it.
0: Aguayo finally had a swing he was starting to feel confident in, and now he was being signed as a reserve kicker to the Panthers practice squad. To make things even better, he was backing up his favorite FSU kicker.
1: In high school, it was Graham Gano, Played for FSU, and I remember when I signed with the Panthers and I was with him, he said, I remember hearing something about you putting me as your favorite kicker growing up, and I was like, yeah, man, like, it just hit his approach to the game. The way he swung, the way he hits the ball, it's something that, you know, I like to base my game off of too. And it's, you know, like golfers, certain, you know, certain tendencies, you, you like something in someone's swing, some mental approach, build your game with some of the things they have. And he was, he had a lot of good things that I liked from him. And we had similar swings and attributes that I could correlate those and take those from him and use them in my technique and approach to the game.
0: Aguayo grew up learning how to kick, watching the guys he idolized on TV. He was modeling his kicks after Graham Gano highlights back in high school. Now, he was doing it in person. The difference between this moment with the Panthers and his redshirt freshman year learning from Dustin Hopkins was that Gano's kick was clean. No season-ending groin injuries like the one Hopkins suffered as a rookie. As a reserve player, Aguayo would work with his mentor on kicks during practice. When it was his turn to go, Gano would not only provide pointers, but positive support to remind Aguayo his swing was on the right track.
1: I kept on gradually working and I was like, Graham, you know, why, you know, why do you do this? Why do you do that? You know, how does my swing look? Kept repping it, kept repping it with kicking team. You know, I'd make my kicks. Okay, another thing, you know, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. And I stayed there until like mid-December and they they needed a wide receiver going into the playoffs. And, you know, they were like, hey, we're gonna cut you, but we would love to keep you on the team. You're a great guy, you're doing great, but we just need another spot for another wide receiver. And I was like, I mean, I get it. I understand, no hard feelings.
0: Aguayo was never promoted beyond the practice squad, yet his time with the Panthers was an invaluable one. Aguayo entered the NFL overwhelmed and in the middle of attempting to change his swing, and it derailed his confidence and career. This was the moment where his confidence caught back up with his fundamentals. And here's what I find so interesting about Aguayo's story. Listen to the way he talks about coming out of high school as a top-rated kicker but having to take a redshirt year
1: there's a lot of things that come into play with preparation and what you need to do routine-wise coming into a game that you learn when you're, you know, not starting and then coming in, you're comfortable, you feel like you've already played. So I think the redshirt year, Personally, it was big for me coming into FSU. Honestly, at that time, I didn't really think about it. I just, okay, I'm redshirted, okay, boom, 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 But it wasn't until that upcoming year where I was like, I've had one year of training that I've gotten experience. You know what I mean? I wasn't thrown into the fire right away and had to adapt to, okay, what do I need to do? Or you know what I mean? And that obviously like at the end of the day probably could have affected me differently and, and how successful I was in, in my college career.
0: Despite starting at Kicker on varsity as a freshman, Despite being a consensus top kicker in the 2011 high school class, Aguayo still felt he needed a year to get acclimated to the next level of competition. It seems like he probably needed one in the NFL too.
1: You could probably say like 2017 was my redshirt year for the NFL.
0: The truth is most kickers don't get redshirt years in the NFL unless you're a sixth round pick like Dustin Hopkins and you hurt your groin. You definitely don't get a redshirt season as a second round kicker. As a second-round player, you might, though. Second-round players spend their rookie season riding the bench all the time. At almost any other position, Aguayo would have had the chance to learn and be a backup. He could take limited snaps and fill in for starters when needed. Then, as a second- or third-year player, he could push for the starting job. If Aguayo had been a second-round guard or linebacker, his struggles would have been disappointing, but he wouldn't have been cut. His struggles likely wouldn't have been a massive media story either, unless he was a high-profile QB. There was an expectation that because he was a generational kicking talent, Aguayo had to be perfect from the beginning. I get that a kicker probably isn't worth a second-round pick if he has to start on your bench, but Aguayo was the NFL's most promising kicking prospect this century. If you're gonna spend a high draft pick on a player with generational talent, Isn't it in your best interest for him to succeed? A lot of people probably don't think the kicking position is worth being treated with that kind of importance, and that's a totally reasonable point of view, but the Buccaneers traded up to draft him in the second round. They clearly felt that he was important. Kicking in the NFL is hard for any rookie. It's impossible when your very first NFL-length extra point in the preseason becomes a segment for sports talk shows. From his first preseason miss on, all Aguayo could do was chase the expectations everyone had for him.
1: It's the first time I really had to deal with Scrutiny first time I really had to deal with negative you know media first time I had to deal with and that's when I'm like am I not good enough like have I lost my mojo like I'm not Superman like when Superman loses his powers you're on top of the world you're the best kicker in college football history and then all of a sudden you know you miss a couple of kicks and you're just like the worst ever you're the biggest bust you're you don't have it anymore well what what's going on is he like oh is he mentally like and it's just like oh my you hear you 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 would hear the most random things, and you're like, oh my gosh, like everyone just calm down.
0: Aguayo's three seasons starting at FSU is one of, if not the best, kicking career in the history of college football. Before that, he was a consensus top kicking prospect who had started since freshman year. Before that, he was the best soccer player of all of his friends and used his extra point kicking ability to win Wee football games when the other team lacked a kid with the same skill. Aguayo had been winning his entire career as a kicker, and if there's anything I've learned from this podcast, it's that kicking is a position of peaks and valleys. Everyone has slumps, but how you overcome those slumps is what makes you a great kicker. Aguayo's slumps came at a time fans and media expected perfection in order to overcome their belief that he was drafted too high.
1: Would it have been different if I would have went through some adversity in college and fought through it there? Maybe. But then I probably wouldn't have been the greatest college football kicker, you know, in history. And maybe I would have never went second round. It's probably the worst time I could have chosen to go through adversity was after I got drafted in the second round. If you ask the worst of the worst time, that was probably it. But it's been the biggest impact and the biggest experience, not just sports wise, but in my life.
0: And that growth showed. After being cut by the Panthers, the Chargers signed Aguayo to a futures contract and had him compete with veteran Caleb Sturgis for the starting kicker job in the 2018 preseason.
1: Kept rolling with the swing through there, rolling, rolling, rolling. They had great in OTAs and kept it going into preseason, went seven for seven, four for four extra points, three for three field goals with the ending with the game winner. I was like, I feel good. I think I got a good shot. They were like, we're going to keep Caleb. We gave him a little bit more guaranteed.
0: In four preseason games with the Chargers, Aguayo made all of his kicks. Six extra points and three field goals, including a game winner 26 yards over the 49ers. Aguayo only attempted three game winning kicks in college and the NFL and made them all Boston College, Monday night against the Panthers, and the 2018 preseason. Caleb Sturgis, on the other hand, made both his extra points and two of three field goals. His miss, from 41 yards. But as Aguayo mentioned before, Sturgis was offered more guaranteed money. Aguayo went perfect and outperformed expectations, but still wasn't good enough to justify the difference in money and roster spot. LA cut him and gave Sturgis the job.
1: Three teams called me that year. It ended up, like I said, it ended up not working out. Jason Myers ended up going Pro Bowl. Dustin Hopkins ended up being fine. The other one was with the Chargers, and they ended up keeping Bagley because he was only going to be there for two weeks while Caleb was recovering, and he ended up doing good those two weeks. After that, Caleb went in. Caleb didn't do good. They cut in. They just brought back Bagley. Nothing happened that rest of the 18 year, and nothing happened 19. And that's when I was like, well, this could be done for me.
0: Sturgis only played in six games before being replaced by Michael Badgley, who played three years for the Chargers before being cut himself before the start of the 2021 season. The current Chargers starting kicker? Former Seminole Dustin Hopkins. As for Aguayo, the call stopped after the 2018 season. His mojo had run out. The kicker had been kicked around the NFL long enough and was yet to earn another starting job. In late 2020, after passing his Series 66 finance exams, he got a call out of the blue to work out for the Packers. That workout led to more interest, this time from the Patriots. New England signed him to their practice squad at the end of the 2020 season. Just like in 2018 with LA, Aguayo went into Pat's camp ready and excited to compete. The competition was veteran Nick Folk and then-rookie Quinn Norton. But Aguayo was the one cut. In June,
1: At the end of the day, I know I'm Roberto Aguayo, the person. That's something that I had to really figure out is, am I judged as Roberto Aguayo, the football player? Do I look at myself as Roberto Aguayo, the football player or Roberto Aguayo, the person? I was judging myself off Roberto Aguayo, the football player. But at the end of the day, I'm a human. I'm a son. I'm a brother. Football is football. It's a sport. Whether you do good or bad, it doesn't change the human being you are. And that's how I treat others.
0: In all likelihood, Roberto Aguayo's professional football career is done. While he's only 28, he hasn't played a preseason snap since 2018, and the likelihood of a comeback shrinks with every year. For those on the outside, Aguayo will be remembered as a curious artifact in the history of the NFL draft, an all-time kicking bust who could never quite land a comeback. But to Roberto and the people who matter to him, he's more than just his ability.
1: A job shouldn't define you. A job shouldn't make you be like, oh, you know, he's so-and-so because he can throw a touchdown or he can kick a field. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, kicking is something I do. Kicking is something that I do well. And sometimes you're going to have bad times and good times. That doesn't define me. I'm still, at the end of the day, a regular person. I go to sleep like everyone. I wake up like everyone. I do normal things like everyone. You know what I mean? So it's all that that has gone into the philosophy and the approach of how I wake up and approach everyday life. And that all... I feel like has helped me and made me the person I am today.
0: Roberto Aguayo wouldn't be who he is today without kicking. The simple act of accurately striking a ball with his foot gave him confidence, status, fame, fortune, and eventually infamy. Aguayo is one of the greatest what-ifs in the 21st century of football. But that's not the question this story needs to end on.
1: I have one more thing. Are you yes. Are you happy? Yes. Very happy. Like I said, I have a different view on life, different view on who I really am. And I'm happy with that. And I go to sleep, you know, every day knowing like, this is who I am. At the end of the day, people are going to remember you for the person you are and how you treated them and how you impacted them. So that's what I just want to do. Have a smile on my face, be positive, impact people in the positive way, go out there with positivity. and, And that's it. Approach the game, approach everything with excitement. Everything happens happens for a reason. God has a plan at the end of the day. And uh, that's how I roll.
0: Through the Uprights is reported, edited, and sound designed by Cole Weinstein for the Locked On Podcast Network. A special thank you to Roberto Aguayo and all of the kickers who gave me their time for this project. Thank you as well for listening. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Locked On Presents Through the Uprights. To listen to the entire six-episode podcast series, search for Locked On Presents Through the Uprights, available now wherever you listen to podcasts.